Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Shop Talk Show. We have two lovely sponsors for you. Environments for Humans promoting their responsive web design summit. That's rwdsummit.com. Coming up this mid-March, use coupon code SHOPTALK. 20% off the ticket and a new sponsor that we've never had before that I'm excited about Beanstalk. You've probably heard us talking about them before. It is a uh, version control and deployment service. Uh, go to the URL beanstalkapp.com slash shop talk. That'll get you 50% off your first month to, you know, lessen the pain of trying it out. We're going to tell you more about both those things later in the show, but for now, let's kick things off. <laughs> Hello, dear listener. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. But this episode is a special one because we have another podcast on here. And it's a crossover episode, one of my favorite kind of episodes, because it's kind of like when the two CSIs like come together in, in like, you know, Miami and Las Vegas are in the same town. So, yeah. <laughs> It's exactly uh, like that. It's, that's that's how I'm feeling. I actually have a different um, so, checkbox that I click, you know, in WordPress when we put the put these out because there's a, a different category for the crossovers. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be pretty good. That podcast been a long happens time. to be the Control Click Podcast, and we have on Emily Lewis and Leia Alcantara. Alcantara. Hi, Alcantara. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hello, Alcantara, like pterodactyl. No, well, no. <laughs> it's more like Tara, like the Tara. girl named Tara. <laughs> like, I don't know. Tara. Okay. Got it. Um, we'll get there by the yeah, end of the show. Thanks for being on. So if you guys have never heard the Control Click podcast, you should um, go check that out. It is at control, like C-T-R-L, clickcast.com, formerly known as the Expression Engine podcast back in the day, right? Do you want to mm-hmm. tell us that story of the kind of the transition and the and what happened there? Well, the the entire story actually starts, man, we've been running this show for a long time, uh, like mm-hmm. five or so years ago. And it actually started on uh, the 5x5 network with um, Dan Benjamin and Ryan Ireland. And they ran it for like a year, a couple of years. And they both wanted to transition away from it, but they still really uh, liked the show and they wanted to pass it on to someone who... Um, you know, wanted to continue it and um, nurture it, et cetera. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, they thought, hey, let's contact Leia and see see if she'd uh, be interested in taking over the show. And long story short, I was like, I need a co-host. Let me ask Emily. And here we are. <laughs> five years later, almost five years later. Yeah. That's a long yes. time in, in podcast years. It's a long time no matter what, but podcasting is new enough that that's like awesome. It's like old yeah, school. Like, oh, yeah, we were like old school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, and last, and, and, and last year was when we decided to um, rebrand and relaunch as Control Click Cast. So actually, it was the end of 2013, I think. Really? Oh my God. Oh my. Time, I have no idea. 
And the idea was like that anymore. you guys talk about lots of different stuff, right? Not necessarily yes. just one particular CMS or whatever, right? So this kind of opens up some, I don't know, branding is an important thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was one of those things where, um, you know, the expression in podcast, we had such a great and supportive community. And in a, in a lot of ways, that community still supports us. But we found ourselves wanting to talk about topics that were outside of the EE realm, other CMSs, things like being passionate or, um, you know, getting over like, you know, crappy work, how to just embrace the <laughs> suck or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so having a, a, a different name for the podcast and a different focus let us do that. We still talk about Expression Engine, but um, we talk about a lot of other things too. Yeah. Fantastic. So that's 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 the podcast thing, and and you you happen to be co-hosts on that, but you're kind of co-hosts of your own business as well. That's also fairly new, right? Yeah, that was. Um, I guess it started in 2013, right about the time we yeah. were rebranding the podcast. Um, Leah and I decided we wanted to work together, and at the time we were both just running our own independent, I guess, freelance one-person shops. And so Leah came on board, and um, and then this past year, Leah came on board as an employee of my company, which was called Emily Lewis Design at the time, which always felt really weird having <laughs> Leah, who had her own reputation uh, in the industry, you know, under a company with my name, and it didn't really reflect what we wanted to do and what we actually were doing for clients. So in 2014, I guess it was... Uh, July or June of last year, we did a um, a complete rebrand of the company, and now we're Bright Umbrella. Yep, cool. Bright Umbrella. What a lovely name. Thank that you. That was really fun to pick out. <laughs> it was a fun process. <laughs> well, fun slash painful. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like fun after, you know, where you don't yeah. remember how painful it was. It's like <laughs> retrospective fun. So, yeah, it's like a tag team uh, mini agency and and you have you know clients and do client work right it's the it's a kind of it's kind of normal in that respect right yeah pretty much yeah we do client yeah. services work design and mm-hmm. development mm-hmm. and your, your skill the... sets kind of met, like are they similar you both can do some of the same things or is there is there no overlap at all or Leia is definitely, um, you know, the designer on the team. I think I have a good eye and can, you know, give her good feedback, but I can't even come close to executing what she can do. Um, and then of she's course, so good she's for got, my ego. <laughs> and of course, she's like really, really good with branding, which was not only helpful for us with both the podcast and the business, but we also do that work for clients. Um, and then I do front end, and then we both do CMS integration. So yeah, yeah, there's some crossover, but we both definitely have our specialty areas. But we're always collaborating. She's always looking at my work. I'm always looking at her work. That's nice. It's probably good that there's that there's that there's overlap, but not too much overlap. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. I was just about to say that we share a common language, and I think that's like the most important part. Really, is that you know. Um, I'm nowhere near as a front end whiz as Emily is, but I. But I understand HTML and CSS. I know what she's talking about. So, you know, if there's stuff that's happening code-wise, you know, I can make a statement without being ignorant about it, nor would I ever make a design that I know she can't execute. Yeah. 
And and I think one of my favorite things, and it's particularly relevant for me right now because I'm getting ready to go on vacation next week, is that (laughs) I'm handing over just a bunch of stuff to her. I'm like, okay, you're going to take care of that while I'm gone. And, you know, because she can pick up any of the CSS, or I'm sorry, the CMS work we're doing. You know, if we have an expression engine project or we have a client that wants to do a migration to a new server, like, you know, if if I'm not here, Leia is taking care of it, and those clients sort of aren't waiting for us to move forward until I get back from vacation, and then I can actually, hopefully, enjoy my vacation and not be worried about anything. Yeah, that's nice. How important is having this skill overlap for your team? It it if you were a bit more binary or polar skill set, how do you think that would affect it? Would. Hmm. You know, um, it's got to be like that balance where there needs to be that overlap, but we have our certain strengths, right? Um, I think that if we were more like, she's the programmer, I'm the designer, um, you know, especially talking to colleagues and stuff, you can see that there could be a conflict in the conversation of trying to get onto the same page. Like you have to explain more, I think. Um, if it was like more black and white, uh, as opposed to if you've got overlapping skill sets, then like, you know, you know, what's up. It's probably helpful too, because we are both remote Leia's in Seattle and I'm in Albuquerque. And if we weren't able to communicate so well, and like Leia said, speak the same language, I'm not sure we'd be able to be as productive as we are remotely. Hmm. I like I like to, to think that that's true as well that that you kind of get <laughs> get more done when you're in your own abode. Is you kind of have that at CodePen too, right, Chris? Right, right. We're all you know. There's it's it's Bend, you know, Palo Alto, and I'm in Milwaukee, and you know, I just I like it, you know. And it, it's it, I'm sure it's true for you guys too. In fact, I, I wonder if are, am I going to see you both at at Converge or is just it's just going to be me, Leia. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm going to make an attempt to look for and buy a house this year. So I'm trying to clear my schedule from anything, you know, not nine to five Monday through Friday kind of work and, um, you know, kind of have a focus on my personal life a little bit more this year than I have in past years. Oh, that's so no a- conferences for me. Except- <laughs> nice. You got it down to zero. Yeah, we may be attending a small business conference, but it's more to do networking and try and get work as opposed to network with colleagues and learn new, learn new web stuff or speak even. It's just going to be attend and try and get some work. But do you see, are you going to see each other ever? Oh, well, I mean, yeah, we try and see each other at least once a year. So if we do go to that small business conference, we'll see each other then. Um, But Seattle is a place where I also have friends and family, and I've been meaning to go up there just anyways. So, yeah, we always make sure we see each other. Yeah, we kind of use that same excuse. Like maybe there's like a combo reason to go somewhere. So we'll use that excuse. We try and keep it to once a quarter even. Uh, Just, I don't know, because we can just expense it and it's it ends up being fun anyway but yeah mm, right anyway that's yeah I, f- I kind of find it's a little hard for me um to justify the web conferences just for the whole you know learning something new right now because it doesn't generate money for me and right now like the business is dependent upon us right? getting work and bringing in money and so as much as I value those conferences and I, I love the experience of talking with people and 
I can't say I love the public speaking aspect, um, but, <laughs> you know, it's been a good thing, I think, to share with other people. Um, but I, I just, I can't, you know, if I, if I literally make a list of pros and cons, the pros just don't weigh Pay the outweigh pay the bills. I think everybody, yeah, the, the pay everybody the bills I talk part, to yeah. gets to that point. It's it's it gets harder and harder to justify. And of course, like it kind of goes both ways. If you never did it at all, maybe your right. life would be a lot different. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like the it's kind of like when you think about like like Mailchimp or whatever. You're like, there's no way they make money back on all that advertising they do. It's insane how much stuff they sponsor. But then they're like, yeah, but because they sponsor so much stuff. Uh, they probably mm-hmm. it probably does come back around, you know. It's it's kind of weird, you know. Uh, it's hard it's hard to value. Anyway, how how often do you, do you guys do at Paraval? I know you all live in Austin ish, but does mm-hmm. but do you like um, attempt to specifically get together on purpose? We see each other about once a week. Um, due to a client, we have a client in town mm-hmm. that we go in and see once a week. But um, before that, it was usually once every three or I don't know, twice every three weeks, you might say a week and a half ish. We'd try to powwow and sketch out. Uh, I mean, we're so much better working from home and (laughs) I just, I'm thinking we all work on remote teams. So if you came to shop talk for a diverse opinion, you, you're not getting it today. but, (laughs) uh, But, uh, so we all work from home and, and usually we'll get together, we'll sketch out some ideas and then it's like, it's like the balloon deflates and it's like, we're all sitting around like, what, What's we next? would just watch Netflix. <laughs> I mean, that's where it goes. Um, but like, we're, we're just sitting there and we're like, well, if we want to work on this, I'd be better off at my machine at home. So unless we have something else to talk about, yeah, we should depart or part ways. Yep. Well, I feel oh. like, you know, when, when you're apart, like you kind of like really value the time you do end up spending time together. Like the last time Emily and I saw each other was, um, at CSS DevConf, and we were very, very deliberate over like everything we wanted to do, like just personally, just hanging out as well as like, okay, we need to set X amount of time to do this one particular project, one particular thing. And because we only saw each other, you know, at that one time, it's like we actually executed what we needed to do. We we didn't really have time to like dilly dally. Yeah, we actually like made agendas for ourselves, like outside of the the conference talks (laughs) we wanted to attend. We're like, we also need to do this. And this is a project I think we should work on together while we're face to face. And we're really, really organized. Yeah, I think really, Emily and I, yeah, I think that's why Emily and I work so well together uh, in terms um, beyond just like complementary skill sets and stuff. It's just workflow wise, um, our personalities in terms of how um we consider professional you know work should be it's totally in sync because we're really really anal retentive like we are (laughs) totally like obsessed with to-do lists and agendas and you know over communicating and we just and then we execute like you know if we say it's like do this this and this we just check stuff off on the list and that's how we like to work I like that. Do, I, do you have to use a particular I, software? Actually, you go first, Dave. Oh, I was just going to say that comes across. 
I feel like in your podcast as well. I just wanted to say. Oh, that. that's good. <laughs> that's nice to that hear. That you guys are very organized and very good at <laughs> like getting <laughs> curse words done. <laughs> it's because we that's have nice a great editor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. I like the little um, check boxes in uh in in Google in in GitHub issues where you go dash space left square bracket right square bracket to do item, and then it makes a little checkbox and you can check it. Mm. That's my whole mostly, organizational system in life. <laughs> I th- well, I th- I have a I have a feeling about particular you know people finding the right tools for organization because. My boyfriend is like on a constant mission to find the best tool for him to keep his tasks managed. And yet he spends more time looking for that tool than he does just trying to find something and making it work for himself. So what we do is we found that Basecamp is great for um, our internal and external projects. We use a lot of Google Docs for pretty much anything, you know, everything from drafts of presentations to... Um, you know, when we're putting together stuff for proposals and that's pretty much it. I mean, and then I, you know, email, but that's pretty much it for managing everything, organizing it, just those tools. That's pretty good. I mean, that's like a, those are, those are the tools. Yeah. I mean, and Basecamp's affordable. I feel like Google, you know, docs is free, Gmail's free. So it's affordable. It's not perfect though. Like I wish like, like we, um, because we are obsessed with to-do lists. We have a lot of like a hundred different completed to-do lists and it's just cluttering up the screen and you're just like, ugh. Yeah. They're My not, organizational they don't have a lot side. Of batch operations to like delete that crap. So Yeah. Because there's a lot of like repeatable items and it's just weird to me that, you know, a repeatable task, it's such a difficult to-do list feature for some reason. I don't know why. There's nothing perfect. Like I said, I feel like you just got to find the right thing that you can make work for you, document how you do it, and then just always do it until you see something better. Otherwise, you spend too much time looking for something better and not getting work done. Paralysis by analysis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm, I've become like this really, um, you know, in addition to just being anal retentive about my work in general, I've, I'm also just a lot more aware of where we spend time, um, you know, are we wasting time places? Can we waste less time? So we're, you know, wasting less money. Um, <laughs> I think about money a lot these days. <laughs> oh, is there a sound effect for that? Oh, yeah, let me boot that up. I, I like think buying a house Pink Floyd doesn't... money beginning. <laughs> yeah, hold on, here we go. Boom, <laughs> <laughs> <It's> the... <laughs> Do you have to pay royalties for mouth base? (laughs) (laughs) That's the question of the century. Uh, Well, hey, Chris. (laughs) There's a bunch of questions we can get into. I think this type of conversation will will permeate the rest of these questions, too, because we'll we'll end up talking about business and how it's done and stuff. Um, Let's get into some Q&A, unless you have anything to do before that. Dave, do you have any, like, errata? I don't think so. Um, nope, I don't think so. I think we made no mistakes in the last <laughs> podcast. <so. laughs> Very good. 
Uh, some of these are um, going to be CMS related just because of y'all's history with some of that mm-hmm. type of stuff. And you run a business in which you need to pick CMSs, whatever they may be. So let's talk about that a little bit. We actually have a really long one I want to get to after this first question that I think was like a really well-written question. I'm going to attempt to read the entire thing because uh, I think it's worth talking about. But so maybe, Dave, you want to lead us off? And Yep. Here we go. So Jeff Nordstedt writes in. For years, I have primarily used Expression Engine as my CMS of choice. While I still love EEE, that's Expression Engine, uh, it isn't right for every project. So I'm looking to brush up on my WordPress chops. One of the things I love about the EEE community is that it was small enough to be able to keep on top of it by following a few key people in blogs. On the other hand, there's a ton of chatter about WordPress all over the place. I don't know where to start or who to trust. Do you have any recommendations on a few sites or other online resources that you use to keep on top of WordPress developments? So I guess we could back up and be like, was that, is that, did you find that to be true with the, with the EE thing? Was it, it was kind of small and easy to keep on top of back in the day or even now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Back in the day for sure. Yeah. Especially when I was start. I mean, Leia started with EE before I did. I came in just before they released version two. And at that time, the community was just, I don't know, like a warm blanket. Like if you had a question about anything, anybody would help you. I mean, people would go into your code and work with you. Um, It was just such a, such a great open place to learn something new. So there was some benefit to it being smaller just because of the tighter knittedness of it all? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you think about, for example, um, asking a WordPress, random WordPress question on Twitter, for example, no one's going to answer you. Like, no one. But if you you ask one question on um, the EECMS hashtag that's very specific, you tend to get like five different people telling you almost immediately, here's how you do this. You know, it's just people are all um, in this particular community are very, you know, in tune and just mm-hmm. aware and um, so just that's willing to help. So that's the kind of question asking aspect of it. And Jeff was like, well, but there's also this aspect of like, how do I stay on top of what's new and that type of thing? Uh, and it's, apparently that was easier to do. And now Jeff's like, well, okay, nominees WordPress for some stuff. And we can get into com- com- kind of some comparison stuff later. But uh, I can't think of anything right off the top of my head. Maybe WP Tavern. I think that was kind of um, off and on. I think it's back on at the moment as kind of like a one-stop shop for like, I don't know, they post a lot. And it's like the whole point of it is what's new in WordPress kind of thing. But, uh, and then, and then probably the official blogs kind of the, like what's, what's happening in each release uh, would be places. And I can link those things up in the show notes. I don't know if, if you guys ever use it or have any opinions about this kind of thing. But. Yeah. I mean, I, I can honestly say I'm not a fan of WordPress. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing against people who are, it's just, it's, it's not the kind of, System I like to work, for, work with. It's it's just a little too blog centric for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I don't really have any good resources. I will say, when I was looking at WordPress, and this was a couple years ago, I got your book, Chris. So. <laughs> well, the, well, the next question we'll get into this kind of c- comparison kind of kind of stuff. Uh, the, what else I would add to this kind of question is that there may not always be. 
people might feel a little more compelled to stay up to date with things more than they need to be. Like I do because it's my job and I have this podcast and stuff and I kind of like enjoy it anyway. But like to to think that you're not useful at what you know because you're not reading the latest and greatest everything for every piece of technology that you use is like I would I would just warn against that. Like just, you know, just just chill, baby. (laughs) You don't have to read You don't have to spend two hours a day reading to keep up to to feel useful in your job. I don't think unless you do disagree. No, I actually, um, there's a good article on a list apart from Susan Robertson. I'll try and dig up the link in a second. But she talked about that in terms of like front end, you know, because there's kind of like an infinite amount of information you could stay up to date on. But I mean, is that making you productive or is that making you overwhelmed, you know, and, and you know, kind of paralyzed or not able to <laughs> might, actually Not only might even make you anything. worse. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Yeah, so I thought that was a a great argument to, you know, I feel a lot of pressure to stay up to date on what the latest things are with CSS and getting stronger with JavaScript. But, you know, I also know that if I can focus on what I'm really good at and what I love the most, I still produce great work without knowing what the latest and greatest thing is that just came out, you know, a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. I want to print that out, put it on my wall. That was well said. Uh, Okay, so let's do this. Uh, this this is was written in by Pierre Limon or something. Dave's usually Good. better at that. Okay, we got it, got it. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just gonna read the whole thing. It's only it's like six paragraphs, but I think it's, it was pretty well written. Question. Generally, we like it when you keep the questions a little more brief than this, but this kind of gets to the heart of the matter, and I think we'll all have something to say about this. So here I go. Uh, for the last few years, I've worked at a studio that liked to use WordPress as a CMS. Typically, this meant creating page templates, adding content, you know, using the loop, adding widgets, creating content areas, etc. Everything you typically do. Uh, one trying to use WordPress as a CMS for a non-blog. So we're in, okay. Uh, the process of converting WordPress into a non-blog CMS never really felt right to me. For example, you create a typical corporate homepage, or let's think of like a startup homepage. You know, there's the, uh, uh, you have uh, a rotating banner thing at the top, pull quotes, a collection of links to partner sites, um, that kind of thing. I can think of a you know a hero image and all these little individual modules of content with this long scrolling page. To maintain the content, the client logs into WordPress, but finding the content is rather scattered about. To edit one part, you have to go to this widget panel area. To edit the main page content, you go to you know into pages and find that page and edit that. Uh, recently, I have a, a freelance job come up for a professional association. It wasn't a big site, so I ended up using a CMS called Perch. Uh, it was a mm-hmm. breath of fresh air. The CMS was lightweight. Uh, It was dead simple to implement because the focus was on being a CMS. It was much easier experience, and it took me about half the time to implement over a WordPress CMS conversion. Since then, I've been taking a closer look at other CMS packages as well. I'm wondering if our industry is pushing WordPress at the expense of tools that may be better suited to certain tasks. Don't get me wrong. WordPress is a great tool, uh, but it's a great blogging tool. The CMS market has really matured over the last few years, and I believe our industry's myopic view on WordPress is keeping better and potentially more appropriate tools from getting the proper attention. 
This goes on for just a little bit more. Uh, people often <laughs> cite WordPress's extensive community and plugin support, but I'd wager for the majority of sites out there, the standard feature set in most CMS packages would be sufficient. Are there other p- packages with development export? Expression Engine comes to mind. I think we can we can probably kill it there. There's a couple more paragraphs, but it's kind of the gist of it is if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, which they, they say at the mm-hmm. end. Sure. Okay, I'm just going to leave it at that and let you say what comes to mind when you hear all that. Can I just address the one where it's like, is it a detriment, you know, et cetera? Are we holding ourselves back by, mm-hmm. you know, just dealing with WordPress or whatever? I feel like the market is saying something and developers are just addressing it by using the tool that clients are asking. So in many mm-hmm. ways, part of the issue isn't necessarily because, you know, us as developers, like, wow, we so love WordPress because I, Emily and I don't. But um, a lot of it, especially if you attend a business conference, like if you move away from the web conferences um, and you go to a business conference and um, there's usually a panel uh, trying to help businesses market themselves on the web. All they talk about is WordPress. Like the marketing for WordPress is so strong that they don't even hear, they don't even hear or even understand that there are other content management systems out there. It's I'm like sitting Kleenex. at the coffee shop and I turn my head when I hear people say it because it's just such a weird word to hear out in public, I think. And I'm like, what are you talking sure. about over there? Yeah. But like WordPress is like Kleenex now, right? It's actually tissue paper, <laughs> but people are just going to say Kleenex because that's what they think it wow. is. Wow, you think it's gotten yeah. to that point? It could be. It's almost synonymous yeah. to a website. Yeah. Like, yeah. I need a WordPress. Yeah. Yes, so, yeah, exactly. I need a WordPress is is, is the point um, in regards to that. And I feel like it's a complicated situation because part of the issue is that more people in our industry need to learn how to communicate their services better. Yes. Right? Yes. And, it's an and education that is, issue. Yeah. And it's like that's the underlying issue is that at some point, um, you know, a lot of developers, they're not, um, they don't understand sales. So if a client just asks for WordPress, they're just going to say, okay, I know how to develop WordPress, done. Right? Um, they don't want to even... Um, get into a conversation saying, well, here are other alternatives or maybe this is the other situation because they're afraid of losing that particular business. And what's interesting is um, we were actually talking to a prospect uh, the other day who uh, is on WordPress and just based on her particular needs, again, we're not anti-WordPress. There's particular sites that and clients that we think it's absolutely perfect for but with this particular prospect that we were talking to we were like no i don't think this is what is correct and we were honest and forthright about that particular part and we explained why um and we told them the other cms's that we think would be good and this particular client was open to it um but i feel like we took a lot of time to educate her it was yes you know I spent an hour on the phone. We spent a number of emails going back and forth. And while that's kind of heavy on the, you know, the sales end, you know, before you've even engaged, it's kind of necessary, especially because we really liked this prospect. We wanted this job. And so we wanted to tell her the benefits of, you know, that we could bring using a different CMS. And it was, it was great. It was, it was, 
for me, it was the first time I actually educated a prospect and I convinced them to change yeah, their mind. Yeah, and then and you won, kind of, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. But that's easier said than done because I've also easy. had, you know, we're telling you a success story, but I've also had conversations where they shut me down almost immediately the moment I mention have you considered any, like even asking the question, have you considered another system besides WordPress is a difficult conversation because you're already immediately in the defensive, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, the, and when you're dealing with sales, you know, sales is all about building trust and, um, you know, removing risk because that's what people don't understand. It's all about removing risk. And what people think about, business people think about when they think about WordPress is there's less risk because it's a larger ecosystem slash brand recognition, right? And the moment you start even asking if they're open to something else, you're already in a defensive position. And that's a weaker position than just already trying to sell them on something they're convinced about. You have to have the difficult conversation also about the risk of choosing any CMS. So if they're on WordPress, we definitely point out some of the risks involved with using WordPress. Um, you know, it, it's 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 one of those things where they don't realize that they don't know. They need to trust whomever they're hiring. You know, whether it's us or whether they go with the WordPress shop, you know, they need to be able to trust who they're working with and trust that they know what's best for them. And so we focus on just trying to show that we're trying to get to know their needs and based on their needs, then we recommend a CMS from a group, not just one. We don't just work with one. I do feel like, you know, especially when talking to colleagues of larger firms, that they tend to have these conversations like right off the bat where um, they actually build into their proposal process uh, like an audit of all their requirements. And then part of the deliverable is like giving you the findings over here's the three different CMSs we suggested towards you. Here's all your requirements. Here's where the checkboxes lie based on all those requirements and your needs and on and on and on and I think it's like a CMS edit. I, I think we actually did a show on this actually, didn't we? The uh, choosing the CMS episode with Steph? Um yeah. 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 Like yeah. essentially you just kind of like do a matrix of like yes, no, yes, no. Um but uh, it feels like larger clients are more willing to um you know deal with that. But when you're dealing with small business, a lot of them go, I want a WordPress, you know? <laughs> Where I fit into this usually is that I often come across as kind of a WordPress supporter, and I am because it just has done good things for me in my career and my life over time, and I and I I feel comfortable with it, and I feel productive and powerful with Mm -hmm. it, and all that stuff, you know. But I totally get the other perspective. I've I've built and used Jekyll sites. I think that's really nice. We've had Rachel Andrew on from Perch. I totally Perch seems great. I I I wish I was lived a life where that would was more relevant to my flow. I'd totally try it. We've had. Bastion on from Kirby CMS seems wonderful. Both of them in, in, in different respects, you know, I know craft is like one of the new hot things that everybody's using. Mm -hmm. Ghost is widely regarded as good. Um, you know, buckets, I hear good things about. There's so many CMSs. I just don't live in a life where I make a website every week and need to think Mm -hmm. about it so much in my, in my past. I know so many people in the WordPress community. I like the WordPress community. There's all this stuff. I mean, but that stuff's totally relevant though. Mm -hmm. I mean, that should be part of, a developer's recommendation 
pro- mind process before they make a recommendation, if they feel powerful in a CMS, or I can't even call WordPress a CMS, but if they feel powerful <laughs> in that and they, they know the community and they have the resources, they can rapidly produce something of quality, that's valuable and that Absolutely. should be factored in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... I think of things be- like this. Like the, uh, I'm running, I'm running my site. I need a, I need a login system because that's part of what a CMS is. There's got to be some way to do it. Yeah. But I kind of want to hire a writer, and I don't, and I want to give them access, but I don't want them to be able to change settings and stuff. Okay, so now I not mm-hmm. only have login, but I have user management levels and systems. And then I want to be like, well, I kind of want to make sure I'm doing all the best practice SEO stuff. It'd be nice if I could just toss something in there to do it instead of me having to keep up with that. Well, is that available for that CMS? And it's like, well, now I want to have some areas of the website that um, you have to pay to have access to. Like, do I have the developer chops to build that or is there something I can just chuck in there and do it? I want to have forums. Can I do that? Or, or is that, you know, I want to want to have an email system where I can email the people that have signed up for the thing. That's the kind of thing is like, I know if I pick WordPress, feel free to disagree with me on any of this, but I know I can just, there's something that I can just chuck in there and it's, it's just going to do the trick for me. And I've always kind of appreciated that. That's like, if you can dream it, it's there in, in a sense. And I, I just kind of like that. And, and, and then yeah, with it that, comes some dangers. It comes some. You know, uh, absolutely. You're a target of you know any kind of, of hack attempts that's going to happen on your WordPress site for sure, and that kind of thing. I think that's the. I think that's the. If you're going to work with CMSs, offer that as part of your client services. You have to get to that level of yeah, I can just throw something in there with whichever one or ones you choose. You know that's you know why you kind of focus, you find a few that you like. And I do think you should have more than one in your, you know, toolbox that you can pull from and you get good at all of them so that all of them, you can be quick and fast and have the comfort level of throwing something in, you know, so I, I, although I hate the idea of saying throwing something in, I mean, (laughs) it really should be a lot more considered for a client project at least. But I mean, like for our internal things, like if we have something quick, we need to do, we have our podcast site running on Expression Engine and our Bright Umbrella site running on Craft. Uh, Leia's a whiz with Craft, at least compared to me. Um, we're both pretty good with uh, Expression Engine. And so when we need something done or we have a little error, we can usually take care of it really quickly, which is a reason why we love both of those CMSs because mm-hmm. we're both skilled in them. You know, we know what to do when something's needed. I did feel the feel the pain when it was being described at how like you have this home page and there's all these little disparate areas that you want to update and that feeling that WordPress like isn't isn't doing you a lot of favors there. I I do feel like that that's a a, a true you know widgets and stuff is just not a good system for that in WordPress land. So I feel you on that one, Pierre. Do we have any final thoughts on this one? Go for it. Um. I think I, it sounds like WordPress is not a CMS. <laughs> you were just waiting for you that. Know what? I do have a final thought on this is that I posted, I have a, my friend Drew who is on this committee to pick a CMS for the universities working on. They're going to change the entire thing. It's a big decision that they have to make. And I didn't have all the information when I posted on this, but I posted a tweet about it and I said, hey, Drew, follow this tweet. There's going to be so many responses on it when I do it because there just always is. It, it, 
for recommendations for the CMS, if it was a CMS, it was recommended. Seriously, every single CMS people <laughs> decided would be perfect for it. And were trying to convince me that this would be the way to go. So it's kind of like, oh, my God, this is useless, you know. Um, yeah. But Karen McGrain piped in and she made two points that I feel like are really important. And it's less important which one they pick and more important. I'm just going to quote it exactly. Less important which one they pick. Way more important that they plan for the time required to define and customize the author UX. Less important yes. is it the actual technology, but is uh, how are, is it going to be used by the people that use it? I love that. Yeah. No, and that another, is yep. 100% true. Was how they're going to pay for it. And this was a big deal that came up later. It turns out that this this university has plenty of people, something like 100, that uh, have access to different parts of the website to change, but zero developers, really. They don't really have anybody who's just straight up a web person there. So when they come to buy a system, they need to buy something that's, for whatever reason, they need to host it on their own servers because that becomes like an expense that's expensed correctly for large-scale business. It's like a capital right. expense and some is what they call it uh and developers who work on that thing aren't a capital expense and they can't they can't think of how expensive it'd be like oh no big deal just use craft and hire a team of eight to work on your whole website that seems reasonable right you're a university you should have eight people that can work on a large-scale project like this but then you know to me i was like oh god i hope you pick something like wordpress or something which has multi-site and it has some things that would probably be a good idea you know save yourself trying spending half a million dollars on a large product. But then I'm like, wait, if you have no developers, hiring eight people is going to cost you a lot more than, especially over time, a half a million dollars. So it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's easy to laugh at, at somebody who pays a half a million dollars for a CMS. But when you start factoring in developers and hiring and how they expense things at a large organization, it starts to seem not so weird. Anyway, that's my whole mm. diatribe. That's good. We should probably talk well, about something else. <laughs> we should probably talk about RWD Summit. Yeah, let's talk about RWD Summit. That's coming up March 10th through 12th. The URL for that is rwdsummit.com. I bet there'll be some talk of CMSs because it's kind of it is kind of interesting how you can approach a CMS from a, from a responsive perspective. Is Do you have responsive content? Do you load different things? Can your CMS help you with responsive design? That type of thing and way more, I'm sure, will be discussed at it. Um, it's an online conference, meaning you can attend it from anywhere in the world with a computer and an internet connection, which is pretty nice. There's a chat room for it. I'll be speaking at it. Dave will be speaking at it. It, you can save yourself twenty percent off the co- the cost of it all by going to shop by using coupon code Shop Talk. Not to mention you save money on, you know, not buying f- food and f- at restaurants and flights and hotel rooms and stuff because you can attend it online. There's been lots of people uh, going to be speaking at it that have been on Shop Talk show before, so it'll just be like a big old family reunion. The URL again is rwdsummit.com and the discount code is Shop Talk. Uh, let's do one quick one, and then I want to tell you about Beanstalk, too, because there are, uh, there's some cool stuff that you need to know about. Let's do this Chris House one. How about that? Yeah, I'm pulling up my Halloween soundboard for this one, <laughs> just so you guys, <laughs> so you're aware. Okay, hold on. I got to find the right. Okay, all right. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Okay. When you're just beginning a new design. When that completely blank Photoshop canvas is staring back at you, what is your thought process like? <laughs> <laughs> it's like soap opera music. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> From where do you conjure your creative ideas? <laughs> Is your design process systematic and structured? Or do you just start laying stuff down? down until something clicks and uh anyway i'll stop this <laughs> and how do you know uh when your design is clicked have you ever scrapped a design after hours of work when you realized it's just not working so when you get that blank canvas how i guess is the question um for me we go through like a really really intensive and this is just the way we work uh discovery process where we ask a bajillion questions with the client and have a, a giant conversation. So even when I have a, a blank space to start off with, um, I do have a bunch of information to deal with uh, in, in the discovery. And for me, my process, you know, some people, um, they start with like just laying stuff down. I like to scroll through fonts first. Like I like to work with the typography first because we're designing for content at the end of the day. So I try, like, you know, if I'm, if we're talking about the visual design process and uh, we're not talking about the information architecture yet and we're just diving into the d visual design part at this point, um, the first thing I start off with is fonts and then, um, I play around with that, and then at next point, I play around with colors, and then I play around with both of those until um, there's, a, like, a starting point for that, especially because um, Emily and I, we do a mix of both in-browser uh, deliverables as well as static deliverables. So when I start off with colors and typography, that's something that I could shove in into um, HTML page and uh, play around with those types of things to just see how it actually will look, not with fake anti-aliasing in Photoshop. Like I actually see what my Mac Chrome anti-aliasing will look like because the font is rendering on there, um, stuff like that. So that's that's where where I get started. And in terms of like scrapping something if it doesn't work, done that several times. Yeah, that seems like it's just part of the process, right? Nothing, nothing wrong yeah. with 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 scrapping some stuff. I wonder, you know, it's that it's that blank canvas that's the that's the scary part. I wonder if there's a way. Uh, you know, I've often, you know, I've I've done this in the past with with some respect, but I, I'm I hesitant to to be giving people design tips because I'm not, not the world's greatest designer, uh, but I do do it, and uh, sometimes I get through the the blank canvas thing by kind of tricking my brain, you know, like instead of having it be white, maybe I'll drop in some of those colors like you're talking about. Like what are the, have we picked some colors yet? Maybe I'll just throw some rectangles on the page with those colors and then figure out how I might be able to use them and incorporate them. Picking fonts is a great idea. I love that, you know, just cause it's kind of fun too. And it feels kind right. of, it's, you yeah. know that it's important, but it, it doesn't feel that uh, dangerous yet. You know, you're just playing yeah. around. Yeah. And yeah. now that now that the now that your canvas isn't blank anymore, so now maybe yeah. your brain is is uh, is is chugging a little bit more than when you're just doing the old, you know, do 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 staring at it. <laughs> that was my mouth base uh, Halloween sound. <laughs> oh God, we're getting <laughs> sued by Boopsy Collins. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Let me do. Can I do one more sponsor? I, I just need to talk about this a little bit. It's relevant to every Shop Talk show we've ever done, I think, just because I feel like we've, talk, we've talked about Beanstalk on on some good percentage of the shows because it's it has to do with version control, which we talk about plenty. Uh, version control meaning Git usually, but Beanstalk also supports Subversion, uh, just an older one. But it's still relevant just because, well, I don't know, like WordPress plugins still use Subversion and stuff. So I'm sure some people still use it. They host for you. So uh, I'll just tell you what it is. Beanstalk is a complete workflow for private teams to write, review, and deploy code. Um, so the version control is a, is the part of the writing code and keeping in sync with everybody. They have this whole new code review workflow, which is super cool. I've been using it at CSS Tricks now that I have a few people helping me. I'm getting people up to speed. When they want to make a change to the site, they essentially kind of do a pull request, and we can talk about it and look at the stuff right on, on um, Beanstalk itself. It's, it's totally cool. Uh, and then deployment is the big piece. So people are like, but why would I use Beanstalk for my version control? I use GitHub for everything, or I use some other popular tool for that. Um, uh, you'd use Beanstalk because Beanstalk does the deployment part. That's the big deal, right? You give it FTP information. You give it server setup type of stuff. You know, Do you want to go to a staging server? Do you want to go to your live server? Do you want to have special commit messages that go to those certain places? You can set all that up in Beanstalk, and that's awesomely powerful. It powers the Shop Talk Show site. We have a master branch. Whenever any, we have it set up so anything goes to the master branch, it's automatically deployed to the site. So me and Dave get to use Git and stay in sync that way. Anything goes to master, we can uh, push it out to the live site. CSS Tricks is on Beanstalk. I have 10 sites on Beanstalk, I bet. It's just, I like it. It's just, then you can use version control like you should be, uh, but you get the deployment piece too, which you don't necessarily get for free if you're using GitHub. GitHub really has no built-in way to do deployment at all. You need to bring your own deployment when you're using ver- version control. Uh, um, Beanstalk does have a product called Deploy. It's like DLPY.io or something that does deployment from GitHub. So you can check out that too. But um, I'm not sure what the feature parity is with Beanstalk. I don't know if they have code review and all that same type of stuff. That's just like, it's like Beanstalk if you want to use GitHub. So they have that covered as well. But Beanstalk is like it's for your private teams apps essentially so uh, the code review thing they say is a complete rethinking of how teams collaborate the review process is designed uh, to start the discussion early and integrates directly with your branch resulting in more feedback from your team the URL then again is beanstalkapp.com slash shop talk if you go to that URL you get 50% off your first month uh, if you want to do that get started with beanstalk stuff they've been around forever I just trust them and they do an excellent job it is my deployment tool of choice for sure so beanstalk thanks for your sponsorship of the show let's do another question one more question ish. Uh, hey, well, depending on how fast audio. we go. Here, this is this is a good audio question about work life balance. Let me pull it up. Um, it's from Seth Hall. Audio question, our favorite kind of question here on the Shop Talk Show. Hey guys, this is Seth Hall from Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm a freelance web developer and independent filmmaker. I work out of my home, and I often have trouble balancing my work life with my family life. I'm continually striving to improve my craft and learn new skills in order to build my client base and create marketable products so I can earn money to support my family. But I often find this conflicting with the time needed to grow and build a healthy family life. Can you guys offer insight on how you balance your work life and your family life? Thanks a lot for the show. I love it. It's a great show, and you guys are an inspiration, so keep up the work. The good work. (laughs) 
All right. Thanks, Seth. So uh, this is a big topic, but work-life balance. How Seth, how have you thought about just getting in the car and just leaving it all behind? <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> Wait, the, the family or the career? <laughs> Either. <laughs> just pick, you know? Oh, Simplify. Oh, just uh, kidding. What do you – so yeah. do you have a t- – you know what? I was talked about this with my friend. Tim, who has, you know, one kid going on two, and it's like, it's five o'clock, he's done, you know, he just works his butt off during the day, he keeps track of his time, goes to work, and when, you know, I mean, it follows him home occasionally, you know, we had a little deployment uh, last night that, you know, took some of his time there, but for the most part, when he leaves work, he's done. Do you guys have a same kind of system like that? I I don't. I probably don't have balance. I mean, I, I generally don't feel like I have balance, but I feel that um, I'm happy with where I'm focusing my time right now. So it's really more about checking where I am emotionally versus trying to make sure work and life get the equal amount of time or that they're balanced. You know, most of the time my focus is on work. That's where it needs to be right now with a new business. And um, I'm okay with that. You know, my my family, my boyfriend, my friends, they understand that. And, you know, that's, that's a personal choice, but I don't like set aside time to make sure I have time for my life. I just try and make sure that my life lets me, um, have the, have the, 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 the choice to focus on what I want to focus on. I don't have kids, you know, so I, I really can focus on me, myself and I, which is, I like it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if there's ever – I don't really actually believe in work-life quote-unquote balance. I like um, it's more about like what's the priority right now. And it can't – I mean theoretically in magical land, we can say like my family and my work is exactly the same plane at the same time. And that doesn't actually happen. It's just that um, at one point, you know – you have to focus on your family and you do have to decide whether earning a little bit less is okay at that time um, and everyone's okay with that or does it mean, you know, okay, I need to ramp up the business so I need to have be head down, you know, at this point in time um, and communicating that. It, the problem I think happens is when you never choose, like you only choose one at all times, you know, and I yeah, mean, you it's be constantly self-reflective. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know, if if you just choose the the work all the time, well, then that that is a problem. Um, I think having um, uh, I I don't I wouldn't say like a set time. Like let's say like every Saturday is family time or something like that. It's just that you know making sure that you do have vacations, I think is, is important, which is always easier said than done. Um, but taking, and when I say vacation, it means like not a conference that you extend, you know, to spend extra time at that particular city away from your family, you know, or something like that, like an actual, um, you know, time away that isn't related to your work at all. And um, one of my favorite episodes that we did was with Whitney, Whitney Hess, and she was just talking about a pause uh, during business time. And that isn't vacation related. It's just you need to stop and think about what you're doing once in a while. And so if that does need to be scheduled, then that's something that you should do. And I know Beth Dean in our 
um, last episode on like balancing paying the bills and pursuing your passion, the way she does it is to be like crazy, crazy scheduled all the time. You know, so she's like, yeah, I do need to schedule my art time. I do need to schedule my hiking time so that I do have, you know, a chance to actually do it as opposed to say I'm going to do it. My situation, I work from home uh, and I I have terrible work-life balance. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of that constant vigilance to, to do better at it. Um, right. And, and I, the things that I've, learned these are my tips obviously take them or don't uh if you delete twitter from your phone your your home life is so much better uh <laughs> just just make twitter a work thing uh because because then you're just like you know you're sitting there on facebook or twitter or whatever and you're just kind of like dorking around on it when you could be you're still hanging out with like your work colleagues on Twitter when you should be just hanging out with your friends and family. Um, right. So deleting that has helped me to a pretty good degree. And then uh, there's also been like, um, I don't know, just setting expectations, like communicating like, Hey, uh, my wife, I need to work a little later today. Um, so like, this is my, this is what I think, you know? And if, if I just, forget to leave my office room it's tough because like she she's been in the house like with a screaming kid and uh, a wonderful screaming kid but just trying to cook dinner and, and it's just kind of like ah she needs to a break from that so it's it's tough and and it's, it's tough when you work from home because you like leave the office you you open a door and you're like now you're like full-time dad. <laughs> like right. you went from like full-time employee to full-time dad, like, like right there. But, um, oh, it's, I'm just complaining about nothing here, but, <laughs> uh, but, but it's, it's, I know the feeling it's this really like, Oh wow. I just kind of get slammed into, uh, I have no decompression. That's a, been another thing too, is like maybe find a way to decompress. I set an alarm on my computer at like five thirty. That's like, hey, wrap it up, stupid. And that's my time <laughs> to like right. shut down apps and just start like like that's that's my time to start wrapping up, send off that last email, but you're done. Like that's what I try. I don't do a great job at it. Again, I'm I'm pretty bad at it. But those are the tricks I'm using right now. I heard a conference talk from Cameron Mall at one time who said who echoed some of the the thoughts um, that you um, were talking about, Emily and Leah, about about not necessarily balancing it, but prioritizing it. He said, "I'm not good at the balance part. I'm good at knowing what's on top, you know, and spending mm-hmm. the time on, mm-hmm. on that thing." And it was good. I don't remember what the rest of his points were, but it's it's about prioritization more than balance. Yeah, we had a a really great episode. Oh gosh, it was one of our first um, after we rebranded um, to Control Click with Carl Smith, and that's a, it basically what he said. He said he has he has a triangle, and work is on one corner, personal's on the other, and I forget what he said was on the third. But basically, you know, each day, you know, to simplify, each day he looks at that triangle and decides which one has to be on top based on you know what the circumstances of his life are at that time, and then you know he shifts, and that's the focus for the the day. 
the triangle is personal, family, and business because personal right. is different from family because that's the yeah. that's the other thing too. Is in like you got to have you time. Like mm-hmm. if you just want to have sit and like be by yourself or do something for yourself that isn't you know um, family or friend related, that's also important too. I like it. That makes a lot of sense. What a nice way to wrap this up, I feel like. I should say that this is sometimes at the end of our goal here is to be talking about jobs occasionally. Like, So if you have a job that you're trying to fill at your business, we'll be happy to mention it here. You, the prerequisite is that you post it over on the Shop Talk Show job board, which is at shoptalkshow.com slash jobs. And follow the link to post it there, which will hop you over to CodePen because it's really kind of the CodePen job board that gets... Uh, it gets put on the Shop Talk Show site and on CSS Tricks as well to maximize your <laughs> viewage of this job you want to talk about. And there's a there's a thing that you can get us to talk about your job on on Shop Talk as well. What else do you got for us, Dave? Um. Well, yes. Thank you, Control <laughs> Click, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, for those who aren't following you and giving you money, how can they do that? Well, um, should oh. we talk about the podcast <laughs> first or our business? Do both. Oh, do both. Okay, uh, let's talk about the podcast. So we're Control Clickcast. You can follow us on ctrlclickcast.com or at ctrlclickcast on Twitter. Um, and we update everybody on that. And we just released an episode right now. Six minutes ago. Yeah, six minutes ago (laughs) on twig templating for craft. So check that out. And um, for our business, we're Bright Umbrella and you can find us on abrightumbrella.com as well on Twitter at abrightumbrella. And we're also on Facebook for our business. um, And that's facebook.com slash abrightumbrella. Perfect. All right. And then how can people follow you individually on Twitter? And what's one big thing you individually would like to plug? Go ahead. Uh, Emily. We'll start with Emily. Oh, um, I, I really don't hang out on social media much anymore. But if you want to oh. follow me, it's uh, <laughs> Emily Emily Lewis on Twitter. Um, my blog, I'm also not maintaining much these days. It's all um, a brightumbrella.com is where you'll find anything from me. Um, and what I want to plug, uh, I don't know, subscribe, oh, subscribe Subscribe. to our blog. We're, yeah, we're doing a lot of blogging about, um, our rebranding process, everything from creating, uh, the logo to coming up with the name. And we're just about to kick off a three part series, um, on the blog about the design, uh, the, the visual design, the front end development and the craft development on, uh, a brightumbrella.com. So subscribe. Perfect. Leah. And uh, I'm uh, more active on Twitter, so I'm at Leia Leia, and I tweet about what I eat. Um, a lot of the times I'm on Instagram at Leia134. And uh, in terms of plugging, I'll be speaking at Converge SE this I, April, I believe it's in April. So uh, check that site out, buy a ticket, say hi when you're in Columbia, South Carolina. Perfect. Yay. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for coming out live in the chat room. We really appreciate that. You keep us factual. Be sure to rate us up in iTunes and be sure to check out Control Clickcast. Uh, it's top, I listened to it an episode today. I was like, I'm going to listen to an episode. And it's a very smart 
podcast, which is like the opposite of our podcast. So, <laughs> um, so if you're want, want a different well to drink from, uh, definitely check out Control Click. What are you and, trying uh, to say? <laughs> we need a soundboard, Emily. I think we need a soundboard. I I can't even imagine having to remember to do that when I'm trying to remember to pay attention to what people are saying. <laughs> Maybe we should just like do like voice like wah wah. <laughs> Don't underestimate Wonderful. your voice. Uh, so I think that's it. But download both in your podcatcher of choice and uh, rate them up. Thank you very much, Chris. You got anything? Shop talk show dot com. Com.